Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2300. Today we're going racing with a Porsche racing team that just came off of an amazing victory. Be prepared to be inspired and buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun today. I'm in Concord, Ontario, with a very special guest by the name of Steve Bartolotti. Steve, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun, and you guys have just come off an amazing victory. Not really that amazing, because you guys win all the time, but this was a really special. We're going to learn about that. But before I give you an introduction and we dive into what you're doing, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you? Big Mazda fan. I keep it uh, keep it pretty quiet, but I'm a big Mazda rotary fan. So that's something. Although Uh-oh. I work in the, in the Porsche world, I have a, <laughs> yeah. a big affinity for Mazda rotary rotary yeah. powered cars. Yeah. Well, yeah. You better keep that quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know that uh, that team owner of yours may not want to hear that, but uh, Chris. But you know that's pretty cool. I mean, Mazdas are neat. My mom way back when bought the first gen Mazda RX-7 when it came out, and I was like, Mom, when did you get so cool? You know, I mean, <laughs> this is pretty yeah. neat, pretty fun car. Well, there's one other thing I know about you, Steve. You just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Very cool. Well, birthdays are great. Celebrations of life, and you are definitely having fun in your life. So let me give you an introduction, and we're going to dive into your world. Steve Bartolotti is the general manager at FAF Motorsports, one of the most successful sports car racing programs in North America. The team just came off a spectacular victory at the 12 Hours of Sebring as the GTD Pro Class Endurance winners, their second time in three years now by the time this show airs i think we'll be in long beach is that right yeah we'll just be uh getting ready to lead into the long beach grand prix there you go it'll be fun steve has been with racing team since 2012 he's held positions including digital marketing uh, assistants sales inventory coordinator sales consultants and with faf tuning of course he still manages the teams or today is managing the team's efforts uh at the track their long history includes championships in the porsche gt3 cup challenge the pirelli world challenge and the imsa weathertech sports car championship this year's drivers include klaus bachelor Lawrence Vanthor and Patrick Pillay. And of course, longtime listeners will remember that Lawrence Yap, their marketing director, is a past guest here on Cars Yeah. He was on the show way back in 2016, and he's still there today, as I hear, wearing multiple hats. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So we'll take a pit stop and hear from them, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. Way up. But my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 
866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. So Steve, now this long career you've had in the racing uh, world, I want to go back to the beginning because I understand you're in college and you really wanted to go be a race car driver and you decided, you know what, I I just got to get out there and do it. And that's what you did. And here you sit many years later managing a team. But can you kind of walk us through that history before we dive into what you guys are doing there today at FAF? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I went to Georgian College, uh, the Automotive Business School of Canada, which was uh, a college just north of Toronto in Barrie, Ontario. Um, they have an automotive-focused program there. Uh, so I was going through through the courses there, and um, you know, as you would know, school is quite expensive. And, oh yeah. Uh, there was elective courses that I was taking that I felt I was, you know, not really sure how to. I would apply the philosophy of food and some of this other <laughs> stuff to my my dream Basket of becoming basket weaving one on one. Yeah, right. So I was. Yeah really confused as to why I had to pay so much money for uh, for these courses when I thought, well, I could make my car faster. So um, you know, to my point earlier about my passion for Mazda Rotaries, I had a Mazda RX-8 that I was tracking quite heavily and wanted to, you know, to, I was competing in time attack events and autocrosses and I really wanted to go racing with it. So I figured, well, if I don't take those arts courses and I take all the business courses I had to take, I could, you know, get a job, which happened to be at FAF uh, on a co-op and I could could work, make money, and go racing. So, <laughs> Smart um, guy. Nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> like any car guy. So um, I, I spent way more money than I was making, you know, trying to chase the dream of becoming a racing driver. And oddly enough, a guy who uh, who works for us to this day and was a good friend of mine, Corey Whiteman, at the time was also, you know, racing his own car. Uh, he had a BMW that he was, was taking to the track. And I let him do a few laps in my car. And I remember thinking to myself, well, he's going the same speed as me in my car. So either one of two things is happening. He's either a lot better than me at this or he's driving my car and doesn't care to crash it. 
Well, Corey and I are good friends. Yeah. Uh, and I knew it wasn't the latter, so I, I figured it was probably my lack of talent. So I figured that I might need to find something different, you know, to do in this sport that I could uh, put my passion towards and find rewarding. And that's when I I volunteered on the on the Fast Motorsports team as I was already a, an employee there. I reached out to the to the manager at the time who was running the McLaren Toronto dealership, Jimmy Vervitas. Um, and I said, you know, hey, Jimmy, like, you know, I really love to work on the team. I'm quite mechanically inclined. This is what I do with my own cars. I'm, you know, I feel like I can do everything you need. Just give me a shot. So thankfully he did. And um, I volunteered on the race team as a, as a mechanic for a few years or for two years and got my feet wet, learned my way around racing. And I actually found that I love being on the other side of the sport. As much as I still like to get out behind the wheel once in a while, I realized how good professional race car drivers were. And frankly, I'm nowhere near that good. So I like to still drive as a hobby when I can, but I, I get a lot more professional and personal enjoyment out of the success of the team. And, you know, I grew up playing stick and ball sports. Hockey is, you know, I'm Canadian, so I guess that's fitting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I felt like I had a good grasp of the team atmosphere and the team angle and how racing truly was a team sport. And that started in, you know, in 20. You know, 2013, 2014, when I was my first years with the race team, and then in 2015, uh, Jimmy got busy with his day job as you know the manager of McLaren Toronto, and I was offered the job as as the manager of the team, and and off we went and started writing our our story from there. And wow. actually, Lawrence, Lawrence Yap, to your point earlier, helped me with a five year plan at that point that saw us uh, in 2020 reaching the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and and here we are. Well, it's a tremendous story, and it's a great example. You know, one of the things I've heard from so many racers and people in this sport is so expensive. And what you did, donating time, uh, hey, I'll, I'll raise my hand, I'll come out and work for free, I'll help you, getting your feet into it, see, first of all, if that's what you really want to do, and then look where it brought you. So my hat's off to you for the way you got into the sport and where you sit today. It's absolutely spectacular. So bravo to you, my friend. <laughs> that's that's really Thank cool. You. You're welcome. And FAF is just one of these teams that just, just keeps coming coming in and winning and doing wonderful things. And I want to talk more about FAF, but the, the first thing I got to ask, this year's car is so cool looking. Where did the paint scheme come from? Yeah, so the uh, the, the Plaid Porsche, we, we started the Plaid Porsche thing, I guess you can call it, uh, when we entered the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship back in 2019. It's had probably five or six different iterations by now. I have to say that this year's 2023 driveway.com version is, is by far my favorite. With the black and, and the red, red and black plaid it just it looks so mean lawrence yap and i uh came up with the idea in, in 2019 when we looked around the shop our then sponsor at the time uh which was castrol want, knew they wanted to change the livery but they didn't have any direction of what they wanted to do so lawrence and i looked around the shop and we saw it was a, one of those typical minus 30 canadian cold winter days <laughs> and we, we said oh everyone's wearing plaid how cool would it be if we made a plaid car yeah and i'm pretty useless with photoshop so uh, Lawrence was able to mock it up in Photoshop for us, and we submitted it to, to Chris Faff, and he was kind of like, well, I, I don't get it, but you and Lawrence seem very passionate about this, and you're both smart guys, so I'm going to let you run with it. And we ran it by Castrol, and they they loved it. And yeah, and as time went on, the, the fanfare around it was was incredible. We were new to the series, and we already had fans, which was, which was awesome. And then when uh, uh, our contract was up with them and Motul came on board, we were worried that they would want to change it and uh motul said no no the, the reason we're coming to you is we love the plaid theme we love the, the plaid porsche it rolls off the tongue they wanted the you know the association with you know with the plaid plaid porsche so now we're uh, here we are that original plaid porsche is still in our 
team's possession. You know, Mr. Faft's going to hang on to that one. It won a couple races, as you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, the pedigree of that car is awesome. And I'm really kind of starting to put some pressure on Chris to to use it. I'm not one for for garage queens and cars that don't uh, <laughs> don't get used. So yeah. uh, I love uh, I love get, seeing those cars out there being driven and enjoyed by by their owners. So hopefully uh, we can make people smile for many years to come because it is there's never been a plaid Porsche that's sold to this point in time. So hopefully one day we'll we'll decide to go to market with with it and sell it. But for now we're going to hang on to it. You know, I love it. It's, it's so cool. And I love the backstory. I knew the backstory, but I wanted you to tell it from your side. Because when you guys first came out, I went, whoa, somebody's getting very creative. I love this. A Canadian team, plaid shirts. It's cold up there. This is so cool. I mean, it's, I just love it. And being a my background in graphic design and advertising way back, very bold for this day for racing. And I think it's absolutely spectacular. Let's talk a little bit about this victory you just came off of, because you pull a bit of a rabbit out of your hat. What they called an improbable, improbably, improbable victory, because the words I should say that you guys pulled this off. Can you touch on a little bit of how you guys did this? Because, wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't ever want to be that stressed ever again. No, 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 uh, no. I told my wife I had a few more gray hair when I came back. Uh, from, from hey, it's okay event. to have gray hair because from <laughs> my side of the fence, any hair, any color is cool, but that's a sidebar. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we were, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, we were leading the race with with about an hour and 15 minutes to go. And when you're leading the race and we're under caution, all the cars behind you have the ability to do the opposite of you and gamble against you. So whatever decision you make, you expose yourself to all the cars you're competing against for that win behind you of doing the opposite of what you're doing. One of you is going to be right yeah. uh, with the selection you make. So we knew that with an hour and 15 to go, everyone was going to have to stop again. We didn't think we would be able to make it all the way to the end like we ended up doing. We decided to stay out and we figured, well, if we stay out and we get enough cautions, we might be able to stretch it to the end. And if we don't, we're probably on pace going to be fourth or fifth anyway. So if I have one gamble that tells me I'm going to be fourth or fifth, regardless of what I do, that's safe. Or I have one that gives me even a 5% chance of having a first place. And if I don't get it, I'm going to be fifth anyway or sixth. Well, I'm going to take the gamble all day long. So we, we took the took the gamble and got all the cautions we needed and some, which unfortunately it sucks for the fans at the end of the day because I want our fans to see amazing racing and green flag sprints to the finish. But selfishly speaking, I'll, I'll, I'll take wins I'll take however I can win. get them. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's so competitive in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and there's so much parity across the different manufacturers and, and teams and it's so hard to win at this level. So um, w- when you get one, I don't want to say gifted to you, we have to work hard for it and be perfect for 12 oh, hours. Yeah. But yeah. but when when the when luck falls your way, I've learned over the years that you, know, you just take them when you come because at some point you're going to have bad luck and it all comes out in the end. Wow. Well, it was tremendous. And, you know, that leads me to a question about uh, what I like to call driving inspirations or people that inspire you, or maybe even if you want to twist this into what's so inspirational about endurance racing. I love endurance racing because it's a moving, it's like a watch with all the moving parts. And then every hour the watch gets exploded and you have to re-put it back together again. Yeah. And you have to keep doing it for 12 hours, much less Le Mans 24. I mean, it's, yeah, you're going to you're gonna either have no hair or a lot of gray hair in the next few years. I have a feeling because I don't know how you guys do it. But when you think about being inspired in your career, what is it that inspires you so much? Or maybe there was a key influential person in your life. 
I mean, for me, the inspiration comes from from always challenging yourself. I used to get a bit of flack from from my team. They always tell me, "Well, you don't celebrate wins. You don't celebrate enough. We have to enjoy these moments." Mm. You know, and, and usually by the time the checkered flag falls, I'm happy for for ten minutes. And I'm like, "Okay, well, how do we move the? How what's do we next? push ourselves to be a little bit better next time?" Right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, what's next? What's next? So I've been very fortunate in my life to be surrounded by amazing people, both personally and professionally. That. Um, I would say share that same mindset, and I think my background in stick and ball sports and and seeing teams come together and succeed as a group, I, I to me the the passion comes from the sum of all parts coming together to to find success. And in racing, it's the drivers often get the glory, and and for sure they do a lot of the heavy lifting. But I, I really make a point to not let anyone feel forgotten because if it's not for you know, the person filling the coolers with ice or the person, you know, running back and forth to the motorhome to pick up the drivers and drop them off so they can get those few hours of sleep. And, you know, the, the mechanics working on the car or the people calling strategy, it, it is truly the sum of all parts. And that's what I always found so amazing. And I mean, I followed all forms of motorsport growing up. I, I grew up watching a lot of NASCAR because it was very accessible on TV and the American Le Mans series. And, you know, I could probably pick someone, but I would say Chad Knauss and, and the Hendrick Motorsports glory days of, you know, Jimmy Johnson. Those were seeing a dynasty that of a team that won for so long. I, I knew and just my knowledge of sports in general is it's so hard to, to win a championship once, but it's, it's exponentially harder to, to win year after year. And I always thought, you know, seeing what Chad Knauss has done, was able to do with, you know, the 48 team and Jimmy Johnson, although it was a different form of motorsport than I was truly passionate about, it was something that I found very inspirational. And I, last summer I had a, a 30 minute conversation with, with Chad and, you know, Don, our, our commercial director was able to set that up for me. And I learned so much in that 30 minutes, just talking to him and getting to pick his brain. And I thought, you know what, this, this guy, like racing is, is what we do, but his mindset is not, how do we win this race? The mindset is, well, how do we think big picture about this not just our program but the sport and and find success within it and I, I think that was that was truly inspiring for me and I mean I, I could go on with with many others but I would say for sure as an individual you know Chad Kenos and his accomplishments were something I I look up to to this day almost a little bit of a from the movie Moneyball concept of hits and getting people you know runs people uh, on base uh, kind of ties to that but you know you you spread a lot of great analogies there when you think about thinking ahead. I mean, racing is all about what's in front of you. And yet we do have rear view mirrors in race cars, but you really don't use them that much. It's always about what is ahead. And one of my great heroes in racing was Ayrton Senna. In fact, I even have one of his quotes on my business card. The past is just data. I only see the future and focusing on what's next. And I think so many of those great racers and team managers and, and teams are always thinking, okay, what's next, what's next, what's next. But and I think your team's smart. You got to sit back and bring in, savor the wins once in a while <laughs> and reward yourself, at least with a quick pat on the back. But I understand uh, what uh, you're every, talking every about. Every October at the championship banquet, if, the last couple of years, we've been very fortunate to win championships. And I told them, probably slurring my words a bit more than I am now that I'm enjoying it now. So yeah. um, I, I certainly do celebrate them when the time comes, but I, okay. I, you know, I, I'm trying to make a point to, to accept their feedback and celebrate them at least for the night. And then we get back to work Monday morning. Yeah. Well, it is a team sport for sure. So let's talk a little bit about challenges, which is a silly question when it comes to racing, because everything about racing is a challenge. You had the complexities of endurance racing, even more challenges, but I'd love for you to share maybe one in your life that taught you an incredibly valuable lesson Perhaps it wasn't much fun to go through at the time, but looking back, you're happy you experienced it. I guess I, I could relate it back to myself. I mean, the biggest challenge I found was was how much my 
personal moods would would affect the team around me mm. and it was something for me that uh, i had to I, I mean i'll be honest i was a bit of a hothead for for many years and i would get very mad and i would have these crazy ups and crazy downs with my with my moods and i got to the point where someone said to me you know like you're the leader of this team if you're happy just notice the people around you are happy and if you're if you're pissed off and angry and yelling at people like that's no way to a there's no way to treat people but b you know that's uh that's not going to make people stick around and want to work hard for you you just got to pick one and, and stick with it and, and that's just who you are um and I, I took that advice to heart and that was su- certainly very challenging for me to hear and nobody wants to hear that but as a team i was starting to realize that hey maybe i'm the maybe i'm the problem here and maybe the people around me are are not getting the best out of them and you know we had a year where there was uh, we were crashing a lot and mechanical issues and in 2019 and just nothing was going right and i had to kind of self-reflect and say okay well maybe these challenges are brought on because because of myself and and some of the things that i'm doing so i would imagine most of my team can at least vouch for me in the fact that I, now i'm ne- never too high never too low and uh, but those challenges that came from maybe the issues i created myself were something I had to learn from. And there's some, you know, people that don't work for us anymore that, you know, maybe I made a, a knee-jerk reaction to get rid of at the time. And these are things that professionally you learn to not do and realize, you know, when you get older, especially, um, how hard it is to retain people within your program. And oh, yeah. I've been thankful. I've been able to retain them for the last few years now. I think I've expanded my ability to learn how to treat them. And that was something that is one of those lessons that you Sometimes learn the hard way, but at the same time, you never forget. Wow. Awesome, powerful lesson there you just shared with us. Uh, You dropped a big golden nugget there, as I like to say, because a lot of people don't realize that, and especially some leaders. And, you know, they always say that people leave companies not so much for the pay nor the job. It's their manager or their boss. And if they're hard to work around and and racing or a lot of things in life are hard and being tough is different than being moody or or irrational or whatever. I'm not saying you were those things, but I I understand. Okay, (laughs) well, good. Well, you said it then, not me. But I understand. But yeah, I mean, when times are tough, everyone looks up to the person that is in charge. Like, how do we deal with this? And if they're all pissy and mad and angry, uh, well, I guess I got to be that way, too. And, it, you know, the the, the stone rolls down the hill and it just gets worse and worse, I think, like a snowball. It gets bigger and bigger and pretty soon, like you say, that poor person that puts ice in the chest is like going, this isn't any fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. And, and that's so true. So um, Yeah. Awesome story. Well, I'm so happy you discovered that at a young age too. A lot of people, it takes a long time and we've all worked around somebody that we really look back and go, man, I really like that place, but that person was a jerk and uh, I wish I could have stayed. So valuable lesson you shared with us. I want to talk about a special vehicle in your life. Now, you'd already spoke of that Mazda or as you call it up north, Mazdas. Uh, <laughs> um, is that the the special vehicle in your life, or is there maybe another one? Um, I mean, I've had lucky enough to have a few. I would say my uh, growing up, my dad had a, a two eighty nine Cobra, which I thought was oh. uh, something very special. To this oh, day, no I still kidding. think it's one of the most beautiful cars ever made. But yeah, my my Mazda RX eight was my pride and joy growing up. A lot of people still remember me to this day for having that car. I did a, a swap with it uh, over time. was trying to build a time attack car, built a peripheral port, uh, 13B for it, and uh, a three-rotor that I had purchased. So it was it was going down the rabbit hole of expenses. But yeah, that car was, was so special to me. I had so many memories driving to high school with that car. And uh, my first track day was actually with FAF, oddly enough. Oh, wow, cool. In that car. And yeah, it was, just, it was so special to me. And I, I miss it. I, I sometimes regret that I sold it, but 
it's it's still a car, right? Yeah. I don't have a museum <laughs> to to sell it to to get the next car. And yeah, I was was very fortunate to follow that up. I bought uh, I bought a BMW M2, and not long after, I sold that car from my now wife. So that was a expensive purchase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So she's uh, she's a sweetheart, and I, that's how we met. So we met through well, the dealerships and was able. I bought a car from her, and last next you know is history. All right. That's a great story. I love it. Yeah, I like to play car psychologist here and crawl into my guest's head a little bit. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Oh, all right. Um, that's, that's a great question. I know you got to dig deep for this one. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be, uh, be a 1993 RX7, Mazda RX-7 uh, R1 would be my... Okay. Uh, yeah, that would be my... That would be what I'd come back as. I think. I thought that car was... It changed the world at the time, and right. Um, I would be that or a 911 Turbo S. I think. Turbo <laughs> well, S. there you go. There's, yeah. a, there's a step up. <laughs> yeah, there's a big step up. But I, I thought, you know, the, the, that car was so special when it came out in, in the early 90s, and it, it changed. It was competing against Porsches, right? At 944s and yeah. uh, I guess 928 at the time, and these different vehicles. It was it was very ahead of its time, and mm-hmm. it was unique. And yeah, that was cool. And I think to this day, a, a Turbo S is the ultimate Porsche. So oh, yes. I still have a soft spot for Porsche. I have to be careful what I say. I don't want to pump too much. I still love my Porsches. Well, yeah, you know, I've had I've had friends that finally kind of got to the point in life where they could afford to buy their dream car, and they would buy a, a Porsche, but they would buy like an RS or a GT3 or something like that and as a daily driver and after a while they go this isn't much fun to drive yeah. on the streets and they i had three friends like this who ended up selling those cars and buying turbo s's and all of them i'm proud to say i suggested that i said you go buy a turbo s has all the power but it has the comfort for the street and you know there's a point where there's a track car and there's a street car and if you live in a place where there's a lot of ruts and potholes not much fun to be in a gt2 or gt3 rs exactly um, and, and when you have that. snow you can put four oh. snow tires on the well, yeah. turbo s and drive right. it year round not think anything of it exactly and it'll yeah, do it's, it's it'll do very well as, as well so very cool uh, a little bit about um looking ahead to this year i want to touch on this what are the uh the races coming up i know we're about to dive into uh long beach which is a wonderful place to go race uh challenging of course with that course uh well, what else are you guys going to be racing this year or where else, I should say. Uh, yeah, where so we'll be uh, so after Long Beach, we go into the uh, the race at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. So that'll be love it. It's one of my favorite tracks in the world. So Me that'll too. be uh, I got to drive that someday. Bucket list. Oh um, yeah, I got to yeah. take. I got my racing license there. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I got to race vintage cars on that track as well. You you got to get it on that track. I got I got to get there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then yeah, so after that we roll into kind of the meat of our season we do uh Watkins Glen and our home race at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park uh which will be which will be really exciting to to try to defend our victory there and then then we do you know Lime Rock Road America which is another yeah. favorite of mine uh to do Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh VIR and Road Atlanta to end the year. Nice, sir. So, all yeah. over the place. All over the place, yeah. Definitely yeah. Uh, definitely spend a little bit of time on the road. Uh, yeah, a little bit, for sure. That's racing. How about a great book that you've read that you'd love to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> I've read a few. Total Competition was one I've recently been reading, actually. It's from uh, Ross Braun. That one was uh, was a great read. Yeah. Um, Performing Under Pressure was, was another great, great book. That was more uh, allowing, more of a sports psychology type, type yeah. mindset, the, the latter, performing under pressure. But that was something that I, I've always enjoyed reading 
those types of books for me it's uh something i get a lot of enjoyment out of and i can always learn i like to i like to keep learning two great books for sure i'll remind our listeners you can find an enormous selection of books that have been suggested by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts here uh, under the resources tab. There's over 3,000 books listed there with quick, easy clicks to buy. And uh, I think both of these, I don't think either of these books have been recommended. So you could be uh, adding to our library shelf here. So I'll put links to those on Steve's show notes page. So Steve, I'm going to enable you today to have a little fun, as if you're not already having fun in your career, uh, to go for what I call an ultimate drive. I'm going to park anything in your driveway. If you want that Turbo S, you got it, my friend. I'll even let you do a paint to sample on that car. (laughs) If you want to wrap it in plaid, hey, I'll do that too. You can take the car anywhere. And here's the fun part. You can take anyone with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, somebody from the past. So that opens up a wide variety of co-pilots. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? So Pacific Coast Highway, I think. would be. Uh, <laughs> That's one of the favorites here. Yeah, in uh, a 911 Turbo S. Paint the sample. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy. I think I would paint the sample at the same color as my Mazda RX-8 just to, oh. you know, just to have that throwback feeling that a, when I that was the blue. Yeah, no. mine was white actually. Or white. I'm sorry. Snow, snowflake white pearl. So snowflake. Um, oh, okay. Well, you yeah. know, I think the first pearl paint color that Porsche offered to the public was a pearl white. So yeah, I think I don't know if they still. Do. I'll have to go to my uh, my uh, Porsche website and see. But yeah, that's okay. I'll have somebody paint it if they can't do it. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Appreciate that. So yeah, yeah. Who would I take with me? Uh, I feel like I have to say my wife or else. Well, that would be the smart answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my wife or my dad. I think, yeah. you know, both of them are, are very important in my life. And my dad's a big reason for, for my love of cars and my love of, of auto racing. I think he would he would enjoy that. But he'd want to drive. So, well, um, yeah. well, so that could, might be a problem. So that might be my up. default. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> yeah. could trade out maybe. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Either him or my wife. They both make for great companions. I've been on a lot of road trips with both of them as well. But even when I was when I was a kid, I used to race radio controlled cars, um, and my dad used to take me all over North America doing that. So um, nice. we've done our fair share of road trips together. It'd be cool to do something in a in a Turbo S or a yeah. Dodge Durango and various vehicles back then were a lot less exciting for road trips. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be absolutely spectacular. I, my my listeners know this story, but I, my son and I, when my son was eight, he's twenty nine now. Uh, I picked up a car that John Wilhoyt in Long Beach built. Wilhoyt restores older Porsche 911s and 356s. And he built this car using, for a client, a uh, one of Chuck Beck's 550 Spider replicas. And But he used all Porsche parts, including the motor. And we drove that car from Long Beach back to Gig Harbor, 1,500 miles. And we were driving up in Northern California, and this car was coming up behind us very fast. And the mirrors on that car were small. I couldn't quite make it out. And all of a sudden, right next to me was a Porsche Turbo. And the guy looked over and gave us a thumbs up and we gave him a thumbs up and he went, he just stood on it and just went flying away. And I don't think it was two minutes later, a California Highway Patrol went by us full tilt. I mean, he must have been doing 90 miles an hour lights on and we got up a little ways up and he'd caught up with that guy and uh, had him pulled over. Yeah, I always remember. But the guy gave us a thumbs up when we drove by. So (laughs) (laughs) he had a good attitude. Always good to have a great attitude like you shared with us earlier. You have taken us on a wonderful journey, my friend. I knew this would be fun to learn more about what you're doing there at FAF, what you guys are doing. Again, a huge congratulations to the team, to all your success. Long Beach is going to be another great race, no doubt. Before I let you go, could you share some parting words of wisdom, maybe a success quote or a mantra with us? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just put yourself in an uncomfortable situation would be my my best advice. I, I certainly didn't have the credentials when I started in this sport, but I asked for things that, you know, maybe you don't feel you have earned yet and try to see what you can get. I, I, I have no shame in, in asking, you know, for the next job or asking for the next opportunity and trying to make it work. And that sometimes puts you in an uncomfortable situation because then the self-doubt rolls in and the voices in your head start rolling and I've always I've always felt that those voices in your head are just a distraction from from what you're really truly capable of and I have to say like over the years I've loved and this isn't like a talk about race like this isn't a racing comment but you know Lewis Hamilton has a lot of I guess good quotes that he's put out in the media over the years and not so much about competition but you know one thing I do remember him saying was that we're all powerful beyond measure and don't limit um, so <laughs> yeah. I did steal that from him and that it just goes back to my point earlier about not getting in your own way put yourself in, in uncomfortable situations and and push yourself every day to just do a little bit more and a little bit better and that's that's how I found success maybe that doesn't work for everybody but that's my best advice to aspiring automotive enthusiasts. It's great advice. Yeah, good things happen when you're out there on the edge and trying things you've never done. Uh, that's what makes life interesting and fun. And uh, there's always that saying where people are at the bedside of older, elder people who are passing away, and they say, "What are your, you know, what are your greatest regrets?" And that's one of them is not putting myself out there, not trying more things, doing things that I was uncomfortable with. So. Uh, Great, great quote you left us with today. Put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. How can people learn more about FAF Motorsports? Hit, uh, hit up our website, fafmotorsports.com. It would be a, a great great way to do so. And feel free to uh, give, give us a follow on, on Instagram or on YouTube as well. We try to keep the content coming on both, uh, both of those platforms. Absolutely. I'll put links to all of these, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Their website is spectacular. Uh, Everybody there on the team is doing a wonderful job. So a big hats off again. And of course, one of your teammates, Jennifer Klein, who put us together today. So Jennifer, thank you very much for introducing me to Steve. Steve, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and uh, taking a little pit stop with me here today and sharing what you and the team are doing at FAF. Again, congratulations on Sebring, and I'm sure this is going to be a spectacular year for all of you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the next race, hopefully Long Beach. Thanks, Mark. See you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!